Chad Viss. Greets. There it is, greets. One person missing tonight is our normal main host of the show, which is the charismatic and... I, I'm sorry, that's the only, <laughs> that's the only amount of... Uh, who? Who we talk? Who is... I don't know who you're talking about. I, I'm trying to describe Brian, but I'm doing a terrible job at it. Brian, but, Brian. But Brian so is not here person. tonight, unfortunately for you Brian fans out there. His least favorite number is 39, so he completely boy, boycotted the podcast tonight. So That's you'll right. have to tune in to episode 40 for the return of Brian. And then two episodes after that, it's going to be the last Brian. Um, wow. One of us will be gone just wow. to keep the Star Wars trend we're just going to talk a few things Star Wars here tonight, just checking in with you guys from a little bit of Star Wars news from The Last Jedi, the Han Solo movie, which still doesn't have a name, um, some experts from the books and comics, and leaving ourselves with some interesting questions to provoke our Star Wars thinking minds. So to start it off, uh, there was a report this week that Rain Johnson said in an interview that he had one request for J.J. Abrams, and that was that he asked him to switch BB-8 with R2-D2 to go with Ray to Ock-2 at the end of The Force Awakens. Now, I just named a lot of characters and a lot of planets that, if you're not a Star Wars fan, you're probably just saying, what, repeat that? But at the end of The Force Awakens, uh, you see Ray hop on the Millennium Falcon with Chewbacca and R2-D2 and head to Ock-2 to meet to hunt down Luke Skywalker, who's been missing the entire film, leaving BB-8 behind uh, to with the Resistance, with Poe Dameron, and with Finn. Uh, now, you would think that since it was a new trilogy, that you think, you know, many people thought that, uh, you know, BB-8 is kind of her droid. Um, he's kind of like the R2-D2 of the sequel trilogy, so why wouldn't you send R2 with Rey... On this new adventure that she's going in, but apparently Rain Johnson has other plans. Um, but Chad, why do you why, why do you think that uh, Rain Johnson or Ryan Johnson? I always say Rain Johnson. You uh, do <laughs> brain. I don't think it's a yeah. It's a yeah. Me call me brain, right? Yeah, you're uh, brain because I'm B R I A N. Brian's B R Y. Right. But um. Yeah, I always see rain. I don't know. I I, I see rain. It's it's the eye. The eye just kills yeah, me. And you uh-huh. just it's it's a it's, strange spelling of it. It is a strange. And you know, I think of Rain Wilson. He plays Dwight Schrute in The Office, uh-huh. but uh-huh. he spells his Fair. name very similar. Um, right, so I think right. that's I rain think him. that's right. I think this when sure. I read it, it just I when I speed read it, it just it confuses me, and now I'm I'm stuck. So <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Ryan Fair. Johnson. Forgive me, Ryan Johnson. But, but Chad, why do you think Ryan Johnson pleaded, probably begged J.J. Abrams on his hands well, and knees? That's <laughs> yeah. how I pictured when I when I uh, read the article. Uh-huh. But why JJ, do you, you got to do this for me? <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. Uh, but why do you think he had R2 go with uh, Ray? It, who Octo? knows why? But obviously, from the article I read, it was he's got plans for R2. Um, and he wanted R2 on that on the 
planet to be with Luke and Ray rather than BB-8 for for some reason. So I'm sure there's some kind of story story arc there with Luke and R2 coming, you know, seeing each other again for so long, after so long. So uh, I'm imagining there's something there that's going to happen. Maybe Ray is going to levitate R2 like he did, you know, like Luke did in Jedi Return of the Jedi. To clarify, um, I don't know. Who knows? But that's that's cool. I'm glad that we find out. It's it's a cool thing to see kind of behind the scenes that that was something that one director asked the next director before that movie was even out and done because he had plans for his own movie years later. Um, I think that's real cool, and it uh, gives me a lot of confidence that they have, obviously, which we know already, um, big plans, and the story is a wide arc and what's happening in Star Wars worlds. Right. I think it's a misuse of BB-8 to just leave him there watching Ray train, if that's going to be a good chunk of the first act of the movie. You know, I think there's just, you know, even when you saw in the beginning of The Force Awakens, you know, him rolling in, warning Poe, and then taking a run for it. I mean, there was so much, he was right in the middle of the action of The Force Awakens, and I think that they just want to keep BB-8 instead of sitting on the sidelines. He's a young, energetic droid, who needs to be caught yeah, in the middle so of the action. And you yeah. do see that he'll already in the Poe teaser trailer. He's running right. away with Poe yep. during, well, explosions in the background. He's a real action hero, you know, explosions in the background, yeah. slow motion. Totally. The whole yeah. nine. So moving forward, you know, that's big news. That's exciting news to see, like Chad said, about the communication between one director to the next. And I know that's going again between Ryan Johnson and Colin going from episode eight to episode nine. I know that they're making a transition and just passing the baton. It's a scary thing because we're so used to just one director, George Lucas, or or him having his hands in it. So it's just, it's very, it's a risk every time that they have somebody new come in and kind of take it and, and, and keep changing things up. So, But it's also exciting at the same time. So going into, just switching gears a little bit to literature... Um, our literate, our our literary expert, the only literate one that <laughs> is on words. the podcast. But Chad, what's going on <laughs> in uh, in the novel land? Well, the Guardians of the Wills novel came out here this week, um, and while I have yet to get my hands on it, um, as one, I'm still reading um, the Thrawn book, and two, uh, I. I just wasn't able to get my own this week. Um, but there there was an excerpt given out um, to, I believe, Entertainment Weekly um, regarding this book. And it's it's the story of Baze and Chira and the Guardians of the Wills, which we have discussed on this podcast before. Uh, but it kind of gives their story leading up to Rogue One. So their fight against Imperial occupation of their planet and the Temple of Jeddah there. Um, and so it kind of gives that story um, and some background to that. So I'm going to read um, just a couple of excerpts from that book um, to kind of whet your appetite for when I eventually do read it and come back and talk to you about it. Um, so here we go. With, with no further ado, um, one of, this first one's kind of short, and the second one's a little bit longer. So first we're going to it's an excerpt about Bayes himself, the infamous Bayes. An excerpt says, It made him angry, but there was still enough guardian of the wills in him that he did not want to kill in anger. His balance had been lost long ago, and whether or not the Force was still truly with him, Baze knew that he was no longer with the Force. 
but he would not kill in anger, not if he could help it at all. The Imperials made it very hard to commit to that sometimes. So here we have Bays, and then we had talked in the past, maybe even last week, how these Guardians weren't necessarily, you know, Force users, uh, but they were for sure Force sensitive. And here we see Bays, the you know, between Bays and Chirrut, the the one of the duo that had given up and moved on from what the Force stood for, and we saw that in Rogue One. Um, how he kind of thought even sure it was a little silly for his dedication still to that religion. Um, you see that he still thought about it. It was still something that he knew existed. And even though maybe he wasn't, you know, fully vested, he was wondering if the Force still could help him. Kind of a cool thought. Uh, yeah, I like that little excerpt about how, you know, he he wasn't in balance. Uh, because he, uh, because he was going to kill in anger, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's just an interesting thought about these force-sensitive people who, you know, follow after the force, and that the force kind of leaves them um, or is quiet to them if they're not in a completely balanced state. Yeah, so that's interesting Very going cool. forward. All right, and then a long, a longer one, so bear with me here as I read it. This is only the second time I've read through it, so it's really fresh information to me as well. Um, it says, starting here, The reason the Imperials garrisoned their troops aboard the Star Destroyer was for security, nothing more. A garrison on the, gra- on the ground gave any insurgency a possible target. A garrison floating in orbit was untouchable, a sign that opposition to the Empire was futile and doomed to ultimate failure. But this created its own set of problems. Troops on deployment needed to be supplied. They needed water, and water was in short supply on Jeddah. They needed food, and local food could be poisoned, could be tainted, or could simply be inedible. They needed medical supplies to tend to their wounded, be, uh, be those wounds courtesy of the fledging and scattered, and many said highly ineffective insurgency, or of any myriad of other hazards. They needed ammunition, because a stormtrooper whose blaster ran dry was as useful as another kilogram of sand in the Jeddah desert. This meant that the Empire needed supply caches throughout the Holy City, secured locations that could serve as depots to re-equip and rearm troopers on patrol. Thus, the Empire had exchanged one obvious target, a garrison, for multiple smaller ones, with the logic being that the loss of an occasional cache was insignificant in the face of continued existence of a larger, larger Imperial presence. So we're getting some backstory to why they did what they did. The Zeta that Bayes watched, what's with these words? Uh, the Zeta that Bayes watched land was on a resupply run for these caches, or so Denik, Bayes' contact, had assured him. The information hadn't been given out of the goodness of Denik's heart. She made it very clear that should any of the resupply cargo, say, fall off the back of a speeder, she expected a cut. Specifically, she wanted any weapons and any ammunition that might be recovered. This was fine by Bayes. Weapons and ammunition weren't what he and Chirrut were after. He waited until Chirrut was off the roof and down on the street before moving himself. Bayes was a big man, a strong man, but he knew how to move himself with speed when needed and with purpose at every moment. Uh, While Chirrut's movements had flow, Bayes had direction. He vaulted from a rooftop to rooftop, clearing one block and then the next, pausing only for an instant to check on the progress of the resupply. 
The Imperials had loaded the cargo crates onto the back of an armored landspeeder, a contingent of five stormtroopers responsible for its security. One had the driver's yoke, with another crewing the mounted repeater blaster. The remaining three rode outboard, weapons at the ready, keeping watch. Baze reached the edge of another rooftop and leapt, leapt without breaking stride, this time not to the roof of the adjacent building, but instead down to the street. He landed heavy and hard, felt the ground stab back at him, sending pain through his legs to his knees. There had been a time when such a jump wouldn't have given him even the slightest discomfort. There had been a time when he had called himself a guardian of the wills, and others had too. There had been a time when his faith in the force had been unshakable and constant as Chirut's. He had been a, y- a younger man then. He drew himself back up to his full height and checked the E5 in his hands. He'd modified the weapon himself, trying to draw more power from it, and his efforts had been successful enough that even a glancing shot with the carbine would send a trooper to the ground. A direct hit would punch a hole through the armor and the soldier within. The trade-off had come in two parts. The first was its ammo capacity. The weapon ate charges and ate them quickly. The second was there was no longer a stun setting. There you go. Interesting. So we have, yeah, we have Chira and... uh, Bay's working with someone else to basically create havoc within the stormtroopers to steal weapons and ammunition for this other person, but that he said that's not what they were after, Chirrut and Bay's. So what are they after? Are they after just to kill the stormtroopers? Are they after something else that they have in their hands? Are they after those kyber crystals that they are transporting? Yeah, it's interesting, and you know, this is one of just because of the theory that I released on the podcast uh, the last in the last few weeks. Um, this guardian of the will is just catching my interest, and it's just something that um, I'm really interested in, just reading about and learning more about how they are expanding the the force and those that are aware of the force, sensitive to the force, outside the confines of the Jedi and the Sith. Um, which is very cool to me and a great way to expand the universe. So I'm interested to see how they're going to play off that going in. And, and really, it doesn't surprise me. You know, Rogue One has already came out last December. Um, you know, it's kind of come and gone. And it's just, you know, it's, it's. I don't think it's no coincidence that this Guardians of the Wills um, is coming out right now. And, and I think they're laying the groundwork for something bigger. I would agree. Uh, okay, going on next is that that was all the exp- excerpts. Yes, sir. Uh, moving on back to movies, uh, the Han Solo film. Now we all know that it's you know just like we're dealing the same thing with the Last Jedi, and that was um, you know we heard, we hear we know what's coming up in the near to distant future. We don't really know the long term. Obviously, we know that there was a seven, seven eight, and nine. And we knew, uh, you know, but they started making announcements for these spinoff movies. But we don't really, we hear about them. We know that they're out there. They exist. There's a script. They're casting. But for any solid evidence of characters or um, storylines or story arcs or or anything like that, it's, it's usually far and in between. And the reason for that is they just, you know, it's them. They have to market what they have and they kind of don't try to give you too much all at once so they just been promoting the movies that are the most current in the forefront and wait for them to get out of the way before they start to put new things out i think (laughs) i mean they let rogue one go through the 
being in the cinemas all the way through late after that a few novels and things connected to it and even all the way up until it was released on dvd before they even really released anything about the last jedi so they let rogue one really run its course um uh, of of what it was and and more too i mean rogue one is you know at the end of the day rogue one i've talked to two separate star wars fans um that are really good and both of them say that rogue one is is if not on their top one or two favorite star wars movies of all time above any saga wow. so wow. and that, i'm talking to a, a young fan somebody my age who's grew up in the prequel trilogy and i'm talking to somebody who's has an has a real love for the original trilogy and really doesn't like the prequels at all so Across two generations, Rogue One kind of bridged the gap, I think, between the, the prequel fans and the original trilogy fans and how powerful you know, a, a, a Star Wars movie can to reach two generations at once and have that same impact. And, sure. and proving of how powerful a spinoff movie can, can be by itself without being have any ties whatsoever to a saga film, just a solid... Kind of reminiscent to the mm-hmm. original Star Wars of how strong it was as a, as an individual On film, not linked to any sequels or trilogy or any expanded universe. So, with that being said, you know we we now we're finally getting a taste and slowly getting more and more information about the Last Jedi, which we've been waiting for. But it's going to be a minute before we before we really get any substantial substantial information about the Han Solo movie, if that's what it's even being called. We don't even even have a confirmed title yet, um, so it'll be interesting of when they're going to reveal that. Obviously, uh, in my opinion, this it's the shortest distance between The Last Jedi. It's only six months between The Last Jedi and the Han Solo film, so I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped a, a, a teaser, if not a full-length trailer, at, at during The Last Jedi to get people pumped up sure. about it. Um, so we'll see that, but, uh, a little bit of casting information, obviously we know that, um, Han Solo has been cast and Donald Glover has been cast as, uh, Lando Calarizian. We know that Woody Harrelson is continuing his little mentorship role <laughs> that he's been playing the last couple of years, but he's playing a character named Beckett. Um, as far as we know, that's what we just hear through, uh, interviews and different things. But a young actor named Ian Kenny is playing this character named Rebolt, um, which will be interesting to see what that type of character is. Uh, we also have Harvey Durst playing Moloch, and Tyne Hung playing Moloch's henchman. Um, so it'll be interesting. What the what I'm excited to see in um, the Han Solo movie in chat, I don't know if you would agree on this, but we're finally getting to see characters in other realms of Star Wars. And what I mean by that is, you know, we see a lot of Jedi, Sith, all that. Um, Rogue One, we got to just see not so many Jedi. We didn't see any Jedi at all in Rogue One, but we did see characters um, that were part of the Rebellion. They were they were more freedom fighters, um, people that were... Um, you know, fighting in this underground rebellion military that were trying to make a difference. Han Solo, we get to see a, 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 the same type of band of misfit characters, but we don't get to see characters that are fighting for a cause that's bigger than themselves. But we kind of see the under the kind of underground underworld, you know, 
the scoundrels, <laughs> I guess, is the best Star Wars yeah. for them. The ones that the ones that want to take advantage of the unrest in the galaxy to make some money and benefit themselves. <laughs> right, kind of the uh, nerfers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure. But we, we get to ones. see we get to see the uh we get to see the the underground uh world of Star Wars where these people that, you know, are, are good characters but not very very nice people. <laughs> so right. we'll finally get to see that, um, which I think is interesting. Um seeing that new realm of this Star Wars underworld. Um you know that that Han Solo ran with before he he got a hold of and and behind the rebellion. Um, so we see these two other names, possibility for names or locations. They haven't revealed whether or not the, these names are for actual person's name, or it's a location of a planet, or or just a place that they visit inside of a planet. But one of them is called Grem, G R E M M. Graham, which you know could possibly you know with Star Wars you you know the, you can interchange <laughs> the character names with the planet and the and the uh-huh. places and you never know uh, which one is which. Um, another one is endless endless nest, which could be a place or it could be a person you don't know. Um, so there's a lot of characters that they still haven't revealed, but like I said, you're probably not going to hear any news, so don't be waiting on the edge of your seat because you're probably not going to be getting anything anything new in terms of uh releasing or or what's going on in the story at all uh moving on from movie back to the literary world but more less not not so much books but comics so chad what have you been reading let's have books (laughs) in the word itself comic books they're (laughs) books just because they're smaller with more pictures doesn't matter um yeah i've uh we haven't talked a lot of Star Wars comics lately. Um, I kind of got behind, and I'm just, I'm working on catching up. So we currently have a the main Star Wars series going on, which they're on issue number thirty. So it's been going on for a while. Uh, one of the best sellers that Marvel has. Um, we also have the Poe Dameron comic, which is out, which I am not current on that one, so we won't be talking about that one. But that one is out there as well. And if you kind of keep up with some of it, there was some um, Captain Phasma information in the most recent issue of poe dameron so we'll get to that at some point in the future um we also have the darth maul miniseries which is going on right now um so i am current on that we'll talk about that one and then we have the dr afra comic out right now which was the character introduced in darth vader's comic from last year um who helped him track down luke figure out that luke was his was vader's son um, and that's where he learned that information from, um, and he used her to kind of do his own things on the side without his master, Lord Sidious, knowing about them, or so he thinks. So we're going to talk about a few of those real quick. Uh, we'll start with the Star Wars issue number 30. Now, if you recall, that was where Yoda had gone to a planet with a bunch of children that were kind of Lord of the Flies on the planet, and there were some blue mountain people that he was able to get the heart started and we find out these creatures that they thought were mountains um, were actually living beings and the humans had basically almost made them extinct Um, Yoda fights against them and we pick up with Luke finding the same planet Um, he's reading Obi-Wan's journal uh, that he found on Tatooine in his old house and it is telling Obi-Wan telling the story that Yoda told Obi-Wan 
Now Luke is reading it. So he lands on this planet and he finds Garo, who is the same individual that was there as a child when Yoda was there. That taught Yoda the stone power, um, which is essentially the force, but using these blue mountains and the blue rocks. Um, and he is there and all these blue mountain children come up from the ground. And he tells this new young Jedi, which Luke tries to tell him, I'm not a Jedi, because at this point he's not. This happens uh, between episode four and five. Um, but he does have his lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber. And he tell, Garo tells Luke that he's going to help him kill these mountain children. And Luke has been reading the story, and he knows who Garo is. Uh, and he says, no, I'm not going to help you. I'm going to, I will defend them. I'll side with them versus you. Um, and Garo uses his stone power, and he's like stabbing Luke with these rocks. And uh, Luke is seemingly losing. Um, but then Luke says something to him, and it it didn't really flow very well. It just seemed like all of a sudden Garo's like, okay, yeah, you're right. And he turns around, and he touches the blue mountain, and he absorbs into it and disappears. And the mountain starts to come alive again. And so Luke tell, takes these children, um, these mountain children, into this other mountain and says, follow me, we'll find the heart, we'll get it pumping again. And so Luke goes into this blue mountain with these children he gets the heart pumping again and basically helps this these creatures um to thrive on this planet um and helps them to live um and then he leaves and the comic itself ends with yoda on dagobah talking to no one in particular but his little hut in the background very green very dark talking about how he's almost ready He'll find me when it's time. It's talking about Luke, and I will help him complete his training. So at this point, between episode four and five, Yoda's already on Dagobah. Um, we know Luke finds him in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, but he, he, he senses that Luke is learning um, and that he will find him when the time is right. So I kind of concluded that little story arc. I, I know the uh, this the next step for this comic is a crossover with a Dr. Afra comic, which we'll get to here in a minute. Darth Maul, number three. If you recall, a few weeks ago we talked about um, how there was a Jedi Padawan that was kidnapped, and there are all these people that are trying to win her in an auction. Um, the name of this Padawan is Eldra Cadis. Um, as far as I'm aware, this, she is brand new to this uh, this comic. She's not mentioned anywhere else in canon, but is now obviously part of canon. Um, and Maul is working with Cad Bane and a couple other bounty hunters to try to... Well, he wants revenge on the Jedi, and he sees this as a way for him to do that. But he is doing it without Sidious's knowledge, um, as far as he is aware. He is trying to get his revenge because Sidious is making him be patient and not allowing him to reveal himself because at this point Sidious has not revealed himself as a Sith so Maul feels like he is not being allowed to do what he's good at so he wants to go find this Padawan and assumingly exact revenge upon her um, and make himself feel better about it so they get in there there's a little trickery involved they figure out who's going to win because they don't have the money and they kill the people that are going to win um, on the ship and so when the people that do win this bid and take this padawan under the ship maul and cad bane and all the other bounty hunters are waiting for them they kill them 
and they fly off, taking Jed the Padawan with with them. Uh, the Padawan asks Maul who he is, and he threatens her, and says, you know, gives her a lot of threatening speeches and how he'll exact his revenge. And don't worry, you'll find out who I am. And she figures it out. She's not afraid. She's she says, I don't, I'm not afraid of you. He goes, I can I can sense the fear. She says, No, there's no, I'm not afraid of you. I don't know who you think you are. Why don't you give me a lightsaber and we'll see if you're as good as you think you are. And uh, he is looking forward to exacting his revenge. She is very confident that um, she could beat him in a, in a duel. And she does figure out that he's a Sith. Um, and says, you know, I didn't know the, that Sith still existed. Um, this, you know, at this point, the the Jedi do not know. They, they are unaware of the Sith in their presence. Um, and so as far as she was concerned, it was a legend that Sith were even still around in the galaxy. Um, and when she realizes that she might be one of the first ones, part of the Jedi Order to some extent, to understand Sith are back. Um, and so I don't know if we'll get a chance to see, or if she'll have a chance to tell anyone else about this. Uh, but at this point, she's the only one to know. Um, as they're flying off in this stolen ship, the organizer of this auction has realized what Maul is up to, and she has caused a malfunction to happen on the ship, and it crash lands on a moon nearby. And she sends out um, notification to everyone that was doing bidding to win this Jedi Padawan that uh, it, she has crash landed along with some bounty hunters on this moon. 350,000 credit buy-in. The hunt is on. And that is how the comic ends. Wow. There we go. Yeah, so I, the only... I mean, it's a okay story but the the most interesting part to me is that she is the only one that knows the sith are are there and uh from what he has told her he is wanting to exact revenge on the sith and now she knows this and you would assume if she escapes the first place she's gonna want to go is back and tell everyone obviously i don't think that happens because the movies tell us otherwise but that's an interesting thread i think Okay, next, okay. Dr. Afra. Okay, go ahead. No, if you have something, please do. No, so we got Darth Maul, Star Wars, uh, uh-huh. the, the main comic. And now you're, uh-huh. moving in, now you're moving into Dr. Afra. Yes, Dr. Afra. So I'm a few behind. So I have uh, issue four, five, and six to discuss. All right, so stick with me. All right, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Dr. Afra, probably, for me, the... The least interesting as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know b before we started, he had said similar, the least like character that he has. Um, and they're basically treating her as a Star Wars Indiana Jones. She is an archaeologist, but a archaeologist that's just trying to make money. Really doesn't care about the history or, or anything like that. She just wants to find ancient artifacts and make money from them. So if you recall, it's been a long time. Her, she meets back up with her dad after she leaves Vader. Vader thinks that she's dead because, if you recall, she he jettisoned her out the airlock, uh, and then the two death droids, Triple Zero and, and uh, BT, BT, I think, um, save her, and so she stays alive and is able to continue what she's doing. She finds her father, who her father is obsessed with this ancient Splinter Order of the Jedi. Um, they're called the Citadel of Rur. And she, or they're called the Ordu Aspectu. 
and they are a splinter group from the Jedi Order, uh, way like thousands of years before the Galactic Civil War. Um, and history shows that they met their doom at the at the hands of the Orthodox Jews. So you have the the Jew the the Jews. Ha! Nope, not not the Orthodox Jews, but the <laughs> the Orthodox Jedi. Little different, just a little bit. Right, just a um, little bit there. So the main the the mainline Jedi um, did not agree with this Splinter Cell or the Splinter Group of the of the Jedi Order, and as far as history has told, her father they hunted them down and killed them all. So everyone from this or Orudu or Ordu Aspectu has been killed and, and is gone. But it's like an ancient civilization. He really wants. He's really interested in the history and what happened. So that's his. That's what he really wants to do, and he's roped. Dr. Aphra, his daughter, into helping him um, find them. Uh, so they had run into uh, some Imperial um, resistance on Yavin 4. So this trail has led them to Yavin 4. Again, now this is taking place after episode, f- after episode 4. So the Death Star has been destroyed. They were on Yavin. We know the Rebel Alliance left Yavin shortly thereafter, and they go to Hoth. Um, so there are there's the Imperials are there because they the rebels left so they're there trying to find out where they went uh, they're rummaging through every their their what their base was and what they left behind um, but the trail that they have that Afra has leads them to Yavin 4 so they go in they try to find these crystals um, that is going to get, lead them where to go next the Imperials try to stop them because they don't know who they are a fight ensues but they escape okay that's the basics of, uh, of issue number four. Uh, we hear the name Ordu Aspectu again, and a place that they're going to next that they find is the Citadel of Rur. Now, Rur is one of the leaders of this Ordu Aspectu, who used to be a Jedi, but they left, and he had people leave with him because they didn't agree with what the Jedi Order was about. Now, this, again, was thousands of years before the Jedi and Sith that we're familiar with in the movies. So this is thousands of years before this time. Ancient. Number five, they get to the Citadel of Rur, um, and they are followed by the Imperials. Uh, Captain Tolvan is the main officer. Um, and when they get to there, they find a bunch of dead Jedi. Um, they're skeletons, that's all that's left, but their lightsabers are still there. And Dr. Aphra starts scooping up all these ancient lightsaber hilts. Um, her plan is to sell them for money. Her father is super excited because he wants to study them for historical purposes. Uh, but these are ancient weapons. Like, think, you know, just super old. They're definitely not what you would see during right, this like time. like Kylo Ren's saber. That's an ancient weapon. Yeah, I didn't see any cross-guarded ones, but they, they looked different. They did show quite a few hilts, and they looked a lot different. Um, so when they get there, they get into the Citadel... Um, there's a force field bridge that they can walk across, uh, very similar to the Penitent Manso Pass. They have to yeah. trust where they're going. Um, it's very Indiana Jones. Pass. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so Indiana Jones, it's crazy. Um, so they get to this inner sanctum of this citadel, and they find a computer there. And there are a bunch of dead droids or seemingly un- inoperable droids around. Nothing like we've seen. They look very similar to the super battle droids. Um, from the prequels, you know, the, the more boxy looking ones with the turrets in their wrists. 
Um, never got that. That's what they are similar to. Huh? I never got the turd in the wrists. Oh, yeah, whatever. It's, it's easy for stowing. I don't know. Um, they don't look exactly like that, but they're similar. Um, and so they find this main computer hub, and they need these crystals that they've been finding to activate this computer. So they activate the computer, and they wa- awake um, what is being called Eternal Rur. And the name, it's R-U-R is the name, Eternal Rur. And it wakes up the droids, and the droids start talking um, as this Eternal Rur. Now, Rur is, like I mentioned, the leader of the Splinter Group of the Jedi. Apparently, in this brings us into issue number six, Rur was trying to transfer his consciousness into this computer system to have etern- to live forever. He was trying to transfer his consciousness here in order to extend his life, become part of these droids and this computer system. But he, as he's talking to Afra, because they're trying to work out a deal, um, he comments that he left an evil ghost inside his flesh body. And the flesh body that he left tries to sabotage what Eternal Roar is trying to do. Um, he and a couple other of these Jedi will kill some of the robots. They try to shut the computer down, and eventually they are able to do so. They take the crystals out, they shut the computer down, but they all eventually do die. Um, and so this Eternal Roar transferred his consciousness, became part of all machines, became one with all these droids, all the machines that are there. But the computer was shut down. It's been thousands of years since it's passed. That's one of the things he asks when he wakes up is, what? when is this? When is it? And when he realizes he's been out of commission for thousands of years, he becomes very, very angry. Um, so I had a question I wrote down here. Is Eternal Rur inside this crystal? Because it seems like his consciousness is there. Um, so Afra and his, the Imperials actually have to work together in order to survive. All these droids that wake up and try to kill them all. They eventually do. They get the crystal out of the computer and they leave the planet. And the planet blows up and so they think they've solved the problem. Um, Afra and her father go to Quarantine World 3 in Kaladian space, which is a real place in the Star Wars universe. And apparently this is like, it reminds me of like the Collector from the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he's got all these special items and drawers and these planets. Um, the aliens on this planet take these things and they keep them for you. And they're very secretive about it and that's what she's saying. No one's going to be able to get to this. We're giving it to them. It'll be fine. And so you see her father and her part ways. Her father's going to do more studying. She's going to go off and make some more money doing whatever. Uh, sell the lightsabers or whatever. And then you find out that she swapped them and she kept the crystal and gave a fake crystal to these people. And so she has the actual crystal that was maybe has that eternal soul inside of it. I don't know, but she is in possession of it. And that's how it ends. So the, again, Afra, not okay. Indiana Jones, that's all right. But the interesting part is that they didn't spend enough time on, as far as I'm concerned, the ancient Jedis and the infighting that they had, um, with this Orudu Espectu and the slaughter of the Orudu expect you by the mainline Jedi Order because of their viewpoints. Um, obviously, they were trying to get themselves eternal life um, and to be able to live forever. And the Jedi, they weren't cool with that. Although, we have Yoda, we have Qui-Gon, we have Obi-Wan and Anakin, 
all having eternal life to a degree with force ghosts so maybe a little hypocritical i mean just a little bit just a little bit so there you go that's all i got that's great in the news of comics obviously poe dameron there's different ones that are out that chad will be looking in this week and bring to us next time we have a regular episode oh but thanks chad for being our uh comic book guy and doing what everybody else in this generation hates to do and that's read uh the last thing i have (laughs) for tonight i know this is a shorter episode tonight i know it's just me and chad but we just want to make sure that we got the facts out to you that way case of you of those that are listening every single week make sure that you um keep in touch with us obviously we want to keep in touch with you as a fan that's why we started the podcast we're just a bunch of star wars fans that just want to get together and talk about it and 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 theorize and discuss we've done it so much off the air and off a recording that why not record the, the conversations that we have about star wars and get them out there for you guys to join in on the conversation that's what the uh, podcast is all about uh, just a little thing, you can catch us at Star Wars Rant on Facebook if you have any, uh, if you want to write us any comments or any comments about the show or about your own theories, um, maybe some things that you want us to uh, um, bring up on the podcast, you could do that. You, we're on Twitter at, at Star Wars Rant. So any of these questions or, or uh, just comments that you have, uh, regarding the podcast or Star Wars in general, don't hesitate to uh, let us know about it. Get us in the get us into discussion. If nobody wants to talk about it with you, we definitely will. Um, I, at least I know Brian will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so moving forward, there was a table read recently uh, for Episode Nine, uh, and they said at, at this table read that not only is there a table read to go over Episode Nine, but also a discussion about what the new spinoff movie should be. So my question to you fans out there, and let us know. Go on Facebook, Twitter, at Star Wars Rant, uh, Facebook.com slash Star Wars Rant. Um, let us know what you think. Um, and Chad, the, probably the question tonight is for you is, have you got to pick uh, two or three of, uh, of spinoff movies that you'll get in, in between 2020 and 2030? Which three would those be and why? <laughs> oh, man. So you want me to do all three, or are we going to go back and forth? Uh, I'll do one, you do one. Sure, that's fine. Or you want so, we don't, do them all. so if okay. mine is the same as yours, I guess I'll just right. comment of why. Well, the first one is obvious, and I think it's one that everyone wants, and that's Obi-Wan. That's, that, was, that was my first as well. Now, yeah, I have a theory of why great. why yes. it wasn't the first one. So, uh, But do you have a okay. reason why? Go. Do you have a reason why? Well, yeah, I mean, the main reason is Obi-Wan didn't just sit in his hut for, you know, 19 years just watching luke grow up he did things he had to have done things he learned how to be uh to come back as a force ghost he had to have extended and and continued his training as yoda said at the end of revenge of the sith that he would continue his training on uh tatooine so what has he been doing Uh, we know a little bit because of the comics but it's very very small um it would be great to know what he did during that time my theory is is that they can't have a Obi-Wan Kenobi movie until they release all this new stuff in The Last Jedi with the with the possible Guardians of the Will and other things. Obviously, sure. you know that Obi-Wan went through some pretty big extensive training to make sure that he can become one with the Force and let Vader strike him down um, when he was good and ready, um, which is funny because Obi-Wan didn't let anybody knock him out. We just talked about a couple weeks ago with the Darth Maul thing. 
Um, I think if he can take out Darth Maul in three moves, he could put up a good fight against Darth Vader. But the point was was getting Invader in the position where to set up Obi Wan, uh, set up Luke and Han and Leia to get off the Death Star, and he didn't even put up a fight. He talked to him for a little bit, said what he needed to say, put up the sword, and let him strike him down. Uh, but a Kenobi movie is will definitely get into some of those ancient teaching of the Jedi, or even if they call it the Jedi's anymore, um, just to make sure um, that they don't spoil anything in the future films. That they reveal it and then sure. go back and kind of do more of an intricate backstory with Obi Wan before they, um, before they put it out there. Um, That'd be cool. One for me, since uh, our number one was the same, was I would love to do a Knights of Ren slash an Old Republic movie. Um, probably one of the best games, um, and, and I love the history and, and going back thousands of years just to see what it was like between the Jedi and the Sith and the Great War. Old Republic has a lot of great videos out there. I wish they make full-length movies about them. Um, just based yeah. off an, an old elite group of Jedi or somebody else just, just getting the job done. Um, to keep in yeah, peace the in Sith, the galaxy. The Sith Wars was on my list too. To to see that before there was the rule of two, and the Sith right. battling the Jedi out, just like you know, full blown good versus evil. That would be super cool to see. Right, and I just recently watched the episode uh, where they go where Yoda uh, is on Mortis, and and the ghost of Darth yeah. Bane comes out, and how similar Darth Bane's getup is, and and even the helmet compared to Kylo Ren and how that those type of things just run rampant yeah. throughout the Sith community. Dark clothes Did you and know masks. that Mark Hamill voiced him? For yes, the I actually just read that this week. and I yeah, I think his son or Super somebody cool. in his family knew the background because they read a lot of the Expanded Universe, so they had to explain it to him before he came out there. Yeah. But yeah, Still we got, we got cool. it in one shot, so he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, next um, for you? My... My, I mean, I got two real good ones. One's easy, so I'll, I'll skip that one. I'll do the one I really I think would be cool, but I don't know that they would do this because, I don't know, maybe they would. I would love to see a Darth Sidious origin story. I would Definitely. love to see how, either with Darth Plagueis or, you know, obviously we know he's he's from Naboo. He was born there. He was a senator there, but what I want to know his Sith past, where his training um, if his story with Darth Plagueis, um, all the things that led him to be and and make his plan, set his plan in motion, look like this upstanding senator when his real his real self was much darker and devious. I want to see that story. Yes, definitely, that would be a very interesting story to see. Um, and it's very common nowadays for them to make a villain the main character of a story. So. I think yeah, and there's no redeeming get away, get get away with it. There'd be no redeeming part to this. It'd be a very dark, depressing movie. No, the good guys don't win. You know, it would be a dark and sad and and depressing movie and an oppressive movie. And I, I that's why I don't know that that Disney would do that. But man, that would be super cool. Right. Uh, one for me is I would love. You know, they came out with you know one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time was on the GameCube. It's called Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Go around yep. and play it as Jango Fett. Another thing, yep. and, and Chad, you you probably heard about this, but that Star Wars thirteen thirteen, thirteen thirteen, yep, yeah, it's, canceled. It's that canceled game, but it was all about the underworld, the underbelly of Star yep. Wars. 
kind of the sketchiness that goes on. Um, so I think that would be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I have that on my list too. So, wow, wow, good minds think alike. <laughs> right. One other one that was kind of off the beaten path that I don't think would be a good story because I don't know if there's enough there, but it would be cool to see Count Dooku turn from Jedi to Sith and tell that story on what what it was about the Jedi that drove him away and drove him to Sidious. Uh, because he he's one of, and I may I I probably should keep some of this back because this may be part of our debate a little bit um in the future with one MIA Brian Seddon. Uh but Dooku he was full Jedi, and he he didn't necessarily fully embrace the Sith. If you recall some of the things he said to Obi Wan when he had Obi Wan captured on Geonosis, um, you know he he was probably one of the ones that balanced the Force the best, honestly. Um, and it would be an interesting story to learn. And again, I don't know that there's enough there to make a movie out of it, but a book or something uh, where you see him kind of grow sour with the Order. And then turn to the dark side and that whole story there. Right, or cool. coming to the realization that this guy that's the leader of the whole <laughs> free universe um, right. is actually two-time and everybody as Darth Sidious. And coming to that realization, you just kind of question where you stand on some things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but if you have there's definitely other- a lot of potential. Right. If you have any uh, that that we can think of that you'd like to share with us, we could discuss the possibility of an over. Like I said, you can catch us at at Twitter at Star Wars Rant or Star Wars Rant uh, on Facebook. Um, so I'd definitely come out there and communicate with us. We love to hear from our fans. Chad, you actually heard from some fans, um, some listeners um, at your comic book shop this week. So I'm glad people are listening and connecting with us and uh, yep. continue seeing our the talk about Star Wars. Well, that's it. That's all we have here for episode 39 of the Star Wars Rant Podcast. I want to thank you again for tuning in. Catch us on Facebook and uh, at Star Wars Rant and on Twitter um, if if you got some time for us outside your listening time. But tune in next week. We'll, we'll hear uh, from Brian back again, possibly Dave Mann, as we're preparing for the great Chad and Brian debate once we get all the boys back together again. Uh, for another episode of the Star Wars Ramp Podcast. See you then. Good night or morning.
or whatever. I'm just going to keep talking so Brian has to edit and figure out where to end the podcast. Where are you going to edit, Brian? Is it going to be ended now? Did you already end it? Is it still going? Yeah, I'm still recording. Now what's he going to do? Oh, now he's just angry. Dang you, Chad. How dare you? Hope Guardians of the Galaxy was good, you big jerk.